Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning, everyone. You guys doing? Happy Sunday. It's a great day to be in church. You guys having a great day so far? Oh man, I'm so excited to, and honored at the opportunity I have today to share with you all. I'm just so thankful for our pastors, Pastor Michael and Heather, who uh, lead the charge and lead our church so well. Um, they're they're so blessed to we're so blessed to have them as our leaders, and I'm um, excited that I was given the opportunity to be a part of this series. They had a vision for this summer, and we've been in a series called "Are We There Yet." And uh, we've just been going on a on a journey and looking at different journeys throughout the Bible of people in their journey um, answering. The, the call of God on their lives And so we're going to do that a little bit today too But when I think about Are we there yet? Again, that's the, the series that we're in I think about road trips, right? Anyone here been on a road trip? Anyone do any road trips this summer? Alright, if you do a road trip You, you have to have like a, There's like a checklist, right? You, there's essentials that you need for a road trip uh, One of them is You have to have snacks, right? You have to have good snacks You have to have uh, a full tank of gas um, you have to have, what else do we need? Uh, you need a, if you have children, you need to have entertainment, right? You need an empty bladder because you don't want to stop too many times, right? There's a lot of essentials, but for, for me or for all of us, one of the most important things we need is directions, right? We've got to know where we're going, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but I have a terrible sense of direction. See, when I was, when I was little, I, I grew up in Southern Virginia, and uh, you know, when you're a kid, you don't need direct. You don't need to know where you're going. You just sit in the car, and wherever your parents take you, you go. But then I was in high school, and I got a job, and I had to, and I got a, my license, and I got my car, and, and so I had to like drive around now, right? And um, but I was spoiled because in Williamsburg, Virginia, where I where I grew up, everything, my entire life was in like one block, like one square. Like my house, or my job was perpendicular. The road to the, my job was perpendicular to the road to my house, and then on the other side, the other side of the square was my church and my school. So everything in my life was in this one square. And so whenever my friends would want to, like, hang out, go to a restaurant, or do something, I would leave, but I would tell my parents that like, I love them and that I hope I'd see them again because I didn't know. It was always an adventure. I, I would get lost. I didn't know where I was. My wife is laughing because we'll, I'll return to the – like, I'll – I'll go to the same spot like 20 times, and I'll still ask her, like, is this the right turn right here? I am so bad at directions. Like, I'm not the guy who's embarrassed to ask for directions because I, I know I need them. And so I have a terrible sense of direction. And so that was in Southern Virginia. But then I moved to the DMV, you know, where it's easy to get around, right? Um, <laughs> I moved to the DMV, and the first thing I did, we actually I went to church on Sunday at the Tenleytown campus, and right next to the Tenleytown campus, there was a Best Buy. It's uh, Best Buy. It's like a tech store that used to exist. I'm just kidding. It's still around. But um, Best Buy was right next to the church. And so I went after church. I went to Best Buy and I bought a Garmin GPS for two hundred dollars. What a ripoff, right? Two hundred dollars. Like who would? Uh, now this is like I'm aging myself. I know I look really young. I'm I look like I'm eighteen or nineteen, but I'm actually really old. Um, but uh, yeah, I bought a Garmin. I bought like one of those weighted pads and that you put on the car. And that saved my life. I was able to get around. I knew where to go because of that garment, and it gave me direction. And and the thing about like life and and, and getting around was I I knew where I was, 
and I knew where I wanted to be, but I needed help in the journey to get there. I needed guidance in the way to get there, and that's what we're doing this series. We're seeking God's guidance on how to live our lives, how to live our lives on a journey, because many of us know where we are. It's easy to know for us to know where we stand, and, or, or maybe even a lot of people study their history or study their past or look in, you know, see, see therapy, and they find out that this is where I stand right now, and, and we know where we're going. Many of us have goals, and, and if you're a Christian, the goal is heaven, and uh, for any person, our general goal in this world is to live a good life, to be a, a good father or mother, to be a good friend, to, to be a good person, to succeed in life. We, we know the destination, but the help that we need is in the journey, and so we're going to look into the Word of God and to, to, to ask God to help us in this journey. And so throughout this series, we've heard different stories throughout the Bible of, of people's journeys and, and what we can learn from them. And so today I'm going to talk to you about Moses's journey. Moses is a famous person in the Bible, and we're going to read out of Exodus 3. Um, and so uh, if, you've, if you've been alive, you've heard of Moses, right? He has movies about him. He's one of the most famous people in the Bible. And we're going to read about the story where he encountered God at the burning bush. But I do want to just give a quick summary of what happened before this moment. So this is after the death of Joseph. Joseph dies in Egypt. Joseph had a great relationship with the Pharaoh and the Hebrew people and the Egyptian people were friendly, right? They, they worked together. But Joseph dies and the new Pharaoh is intimidated by the Israelites. He is, he's intimidated by the Hebrew people, and so he decides that they're no longer friends, that he, they would be slaves. And so Israel becomes slaves to the Egyptians, and so this is where, this is where we're going to jump in in just a few minutes. But Pharaoh was afraid of Israelites. He was afraid of their growth, and so what he did is he, is he commanded his army to, to kill off the, ch the Hebrew children. And this is the time where Moses was born. Moses was born in a time where children, Hebrew children were being killed. And so uh, Moses' mother, um, she, she had him. She hid him for three months, but after she couldn't hide him anymore, she decided to put him into a, a little basket, into a, a little ark, and she put him into the river, hoping that someone would find him and keep him alive. And that's what happened. He was found by a princess in Pharaoh's house. He was found by royalty. And so they picked him up, they carried him, and he was raised an Egyptian. And so he was a Hebrew man raised as an Egyptian, and he was not just raised an Egyptian, but he was raised with royalty. He was raised in Pharaoh's home. Um, so he grows up. He's, he's again, he, he's raised there, but he's, he's, he knows that he's a Hebrew man, and so he knows his connection to the people, and so he starts to be enlightened to what's happen, happening in front of him in his community. He sees that the slaves are being beaten. He sees that, that his people are being abused, and he gets mad. He gets angry. And it comes to a point where one time he, 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 he comes upon a Hebrew, uh, uh, an Egyptian man beating on a slave and, 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 and destroying this, this slave. And, and so Moses intervenes. He comes in and he kills the Egyptian man. Pharaoh gets word that, that Moses just killed somebody. And so Moses is a fugitive on the run. He runs to the wilderness and it says for 40 years he was on the run and he's hiding in the mountains and he goes from a place uh, of royalty to a, to a shepherd in the mountains taking care of sheep. One of the most despised jobs there was in the Egyptian culture. This is where, this is where Moses is. This is where we find him. We find him in a place where he doesn't truly even know who he is. Is he Egyptian? Is he Hebrew? And he's on a run, and he doesn't know what's next, and, 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 and he's being pursued, but he's hiding. And so this is where we find him in Exodus 3, in chapter 1, 
and you guys could read along with me on the screen. Exodus 3 and verse 1, I'm sorry. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming over to take a, clo to, to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, here I am, replied, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mosquito Bites. Now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is a sign that I am the one that has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing today. I just pray that you help me to communicate your thoughts. I pray for every person in this room, myself included, Lord God, that we would leave here differently. We would leave here having an encounter with you. We pray that you speak to us, that you mold us, and you shape us into what you're calling us to be. And Lord, we just give you permission and authority to go before us and beyond us. And we say yes to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, so we just read this encounter of Moses had with God. He had a conversation with God in this burning bush, and it ended in verse 12, and he, it, where Moses tells, uh, sorry, God tells Moses about this mission, but he also tells him about the destination, right? We were, we've been talking about these journeys, right? So, so Moses knows where he's at. He's in this, he's in this mountain. He's in, this, in, this, in the wilderness. He's, he's a shepherd. He's, he's doing his job, and then God calls him out on a mission, he had an incredible mission, a, a, a nearly impossible mission. He wants Moses to help God set Israel free, to set his people free from captivity in Egypt. And so we look at the journey of Moses in the in-between. So we're looking at the journey be between, uh, between where Moses is now and what God says will happen. He says, he says that I will free those people, and I will show you a sign on this very mountain where you'll worship me. So let's look at three Important lessons from the journey of Moses, from Moses' journey. So lesson number one that we can learn from Moses is God uses the humble, not the proud. Numbers 12 and verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more, hum more, than, any, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. How would you like that to be said about you? Right? He was the most humble man. He was a meek man. The, the Bible records Moses as the meekest man on the earth. Because of this, this is, this is God's choice to be the physical 
the physical leader of the Israelites. And for, for 40 years, Moses is not very meek, or he's not in a position of meekness because for 40 years prior to this encounter with God on the mountain, or, or, or even prior to uh, 40 years prior to him escaping and, and becoming a murderer, he was in Egypt. He was royalty. He was part of the family. Um, some some uh, theologians believe that he was a general in Egypt, so he had, he had a place of leadership. He had a place of authority. He had a voice in the in the ro- in royalty's house in the Pharaoh's house, and that's where he came from. And and this house was one of the greatest empires of all time. And that's where Moses stood, and that's where Moses was. He was very popular amongst his people. In fact, it said that he was very good looking. Um, in Acts seven twenty, that's the New Testament. So I just imagine, like. It, it says Moses looked good, but I, like we know that Moses had a good relationship with God. But I, I like I just picture like like was Moses like in heaven? He's like, hey, you should put in there that I'm really good looking. Like, come on, just just throw it in there, Jesus. Like, tell tell him to put that I'm really good looking. Um, but, it, but it says he was really good looking. It says he had favor and charisma, and he found favor in the sight of men. Right. So this is Moses before he commits the murder, before he kills the Egyptian, before he's on the run as a fugitive. This is Moses before, and for me. Um, this is dangerous, but you know, like as I, I, I want to be a consultant to Jesus sometimes, right? Um, this is really silly, you know, God, but but I won't, I wouldn't charge him, you know, it'd be free on the house. But I'd be like, God, if you're gonna use Moses, why don't you use him like when he's in a good spot? Why didn't you use him like when he has this authority where people are listening to him? He has a he has a voice in Pharaoh's house. Maybe he can like convince Pharaoh to let like set your people free. Like, why did you wait until he became a criminal? Why did you wait for him to be ashamed of himself and to be on the run and, and not even know who he is? Why did you wait for him to be humbled? It's because when we come to God humbly, we realize that it's not our works that does the change. It's God who's freeing Israel. You read that story again. It doesn't say Moses is going to set the people free. It says God is going to set the people free. But Moses was who God used. And Moses came to God humbly. Moses was humbled, but he, and he came to his he came to him humbly and said yes to God's call for his life. So that's that's our challenge, right? It's not going to be our works. It's not going to be our gifting. It's not going to be our talents. It's not going to be your resume. It's not going to be your strategies that that help you to prevail in your life. It's not, they're not going to help you overcome your obstacles and the challenges that go before you. It's not just those things. God's going to use you, but it's going to be God that overcomes. It's going to be God that brings the victory. It's going to be God that works in you. Because Moses fled, and he became a lowly shepherd, despised by the Egyptians. And instead of speaking to a great audience, he was speaking to sheep. So he takes him from a low place, and he elevates to his side as they set God's people free. Um, even Moses acknowledges in Exodus 3.11, he says, Moses protested, Who am I to appear, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? He didn't use him when he was well-positioned. But, it, but he reminds him. This is where God reminds him because his response is, I am sent you. It's me who sent you. It's God who's going to do the work. It is me who's going to do the work, and God equips Moses. Immediately after this, he equips him, and, and, and he, he receives a staff, and, and with that staff, God was going to perform miracles, and he's gonna, he, he equipped Moses to accomplish the task before him. He equipped Moses to go and face the battle 
Come on, God's equipping you with his miracles. God's equipping you with everything that you need for life and godliness. He's equipping you with the tools that you need to overcome the battles, to overcome the, the things coming against you. Maybe it's a, a spiritual warfare or maybe just a, a warfare in your home or, or warfare in, in, your, in, your, in your workplace. God is interceding. He's not interceding and overcoming. He's interceding on your behalf and equipping you with everything that you need for life and godliness. Come on, he, he equipped Moses. And what I love about what Moses did after this moment, so, so Moses is on the mountain, and God speaks to him in this miracle moment in a burning bush that's not actually burning, and he talks with God like this is holy moment, this is incredible moment, and he talks it back and forth, and, and God responds, and God equips him. And then what does Moses do after this moment? He has a mission. He's been called to go out. He knows what his purpose is. He needs to set the people of Egypt free. What is the first thing that he does when he leaves this conversation? It says in Exodus 4.18, So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to Jethro, Please return me to my relatives in Egypt. Moses said. Jethro replied, Go in peace. The first thing that Moses does is he goes to his leadership, he goes to his covering, he goes to the person that he respects, and asks them, Hey, can I go? And what's crazy about this is Moses is a star, right? He's a celebrity. Like, we know Moses. There's a, mo there's, there's a cartoon movie after this guy. It's a pretty good movie, right? Like, this guy is famous. We know, everyone knows who Moses is. Moses is, like, he's he just talked with God. Who is Jethro? Have you ever, like, have you ever met, a, have you ever seen, like, a, a parent name their kid Jethro? Like, no. Like, I mean, maybe some, like, weirdos, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, there's couple but um but Moses you know he's 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 famous right he's big he's a, he's a big shot in the bible what is Jethro like and what's crazy about this moment is that Jethro had the ability to say no right he could have said no you, you should stay here and I, I believe Moses would have listened to him and this story wouldn't exist but 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 Jethro was a, a spiritual covering for Moses and he was godly covering right he was he was someone in his life because Moses realized before, he learned from his lessons that when he tried to do things on his own, he failed. When he tried to do, th do things without accountability, he failed. Because the lesson number two is with great power comes great accountability. Moses was accountable to Jethro. And he, and he gave Jethro a position of leadership in his life because he realized that when he was on his own, when he, had tried, when he tried to accomplish this freedom for Israel on his own, he ended up a murderer. He ended up a criminal. He ended up on the run. He ended up alone. He ended up confused, and he didn't know who he was. And so he put himself under the covering of Jethro. And Jethro was, the authority, was a authority in his life. And even when God speaks, he went to Jethro to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And Jethro, as a good leader, as, as, a, as a man who, who aligned himself with what God was doing, he said, go. Go and do it. But what's amazing is, is Moses respected the authority that Jethro had in his life, that, that he gave Jethro in his life. And God doesn't operate outside of our authority. God respects our authority. You know Why? Because he established our authority. He established dominion. You can go back to Genesis 1. Genesis, we, we, we learn about the creation. Genesis 1, the first, day, the first six days, God created heaven and earth. He created the land. He created the seas. He created the animals. And then he created man. And it says when he created man in, in Genesis 1, 27, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. 
rain over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. It says, govern it. In other versions, you can, it says, have dominion. Come on, from that point on, see, God created the heavens, right? He created the land. He did it on his own. Like, he, he created the seas. He created the, the mountains. He created the animals. He he'd, he'd created the stars in the sky, the vast universe that we see, that we can't see even. God created it. But from that moment on, he gave man dominion, and everything that God has done on earth has been in partnership with man because he respects the, the dominion that he gives man and women. He respects the authority that he's given us. And so we see that with God. We see that in Moses submitting to Jethro. But we also see it in Jesus. Jesus walked this earth, and, and Jesus didn't gain superpowers over time. Like, Jesus was God on earth from the beginning when he arrived. And yet he submitted to the authority of his parents. He submitted to Mary. And Mary, when he was, when he was aged like around 12, he, was ready to, to, he wanted to start doing ministry. But Mary held him back and said, you have to wait. And it wasn't until age 30 that Jesus began to do miracles and, and minister to people around him. That's where, that's where his minister, ministry began, and that's where we read in the Bible. Jesus submitted himself to an authority. Moses submitted himself to Jethro. And God honors our dominion in this world. Jesus didn't start until she said start. And, and I'm just challenged. If, if Jesus is submitting himself, if Moses, a, a great leader in the Bible, is submitting himself, how much more do we need to have people in our lives that we are accountable to? Come on, people that fall are those that are not accountable. Come on, we need, we need people in our lives that, that can say stop and we stop, that we respect their opinion. And, and again, this is godly opinion. I'm not saying anybody. I'm saying godly people that you believe, that you trust, that, that, that they want the best for your life, that they can stop you from running into chaos, stop you from running into your end. Come on. And all of this is it's called covering. Moses was covered by Jethro. He was submitted and he was being discipled by Jethro. And it's a biblical thing. You, you, you can see it in Ephesians 5, 21. It says, after fur, after, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's speaking to relationships. That's speaking to marriage and, and how the man and the woman, they submit to each, other, to each other, and everything they do is in unity. Come on, it's a biblical thing. So we should seek advice. We should seek mentorship. We should seek opportunities for people to lead us and to be accountable to. Jesus said, follow me. Was it a command or was it an invitation? Come on, Jesus was inviting his disciples to follow him, but they had to accept the invitation. Come on, we have to accept the invitation of leaders in our lives. We have to seek out opportunities for mentorship, opportunity for growth, because on our own, we're going to fall and falter. And the reality is, is we're not just, we're not just trying to succeed in life. We're, there's real spiritual warfare. And why would you go out into a, a, the middle of a rainstorm without the umbrella? Why would you go out into, into life without the covering that God has put in your life? See, Jethro was put into Moses' life to cover him, to help him, to grow him, to be the man that he became. Come on, we need that covering, and we need to, we need to just trust God to, to put those people in life. And that's an actionable thing. Let's take a step and be in, under accountability. All right, so the third lesson that we can learn is, from Moses' story, is God will fight our battles for us. Come on, one of the most famous scenes, the, mo the most dramatic scenes, the, the best part of the movie is that moment— at the Red Sea, and it's the stunning act of God, where he parts the sea, 
And in Exodus 14, the Israelites, they fled from the land of Egypt. Moses is accomplishing his mission, and, um, but they're, they're fleeing and they're running, and then they find the Red Sea, this barrier, this obstacle that's in their way with, with the Egypts running after them, the, the military running after them. And, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, so he pursued them, and he was ready to get them back and to destroy them because he wasn't ready to let them go. And so the Egyptians start to get irritated they were first they were celebrating oh look we're free we're free but they quickly turned and were like Moses what did you do like we're stuck now we're stuck now and they and they quickly shifted from from praising God for for setting them free to become complainers and to become disgruntled and they blamed they blamed Moses for stranding them in the wilderness and it doesn't sound that familiar to you or to us, right? Like, isn't that how we, we see, like, God moving our lives? But then, but then life gets hard, and we start complaining. And we're like, God, where were you? Where are you in this situation? Come on, that, that's, so, that's so real about our journey is, is oftentimes we, 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 we forget about the miracles that he's done in our lives. Come on, we have to be thankful for the miracles. But in, in the moment, instead of doubting, which is understandable, you know, there's a, a sea between them. There's a sea, and there's an army, and they're right in between. Come on, I understand the Israelites, I, I don't blame them for, for being afraid, but Moses' response is, is was a great response then, it's, and it stands true today. And it's in Exodus fourteen thirteen. he says to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. Come on. We, as Christians, we have to remember that we're in this battle, but God is fighting for us. God is fighting for us. And, and there's victory on the si- other side because God doesn't lose. God is victorious in our battles. And sometimes we, we live our lives and we stand up against this obstacle that seems insurmountable, but God is fighting for you and God is fighting with you and he's with you wherever you go. Come on, so as, therefore, as long as I'm standing next to God, as, as long as I'm standing humbly next to Him, the fact is that there's going to be victory on the other side. So we could stand in that victory today. We could celebrate that victory today because God is fighting for us, and we're not, we're not fighting on our own. We're not, we're not fighting this battle with just what we have. God is equipping us, and He's fighting with us, and He's fighting for us. What I love about Moses is he had an incredible relationship with God. We can get the piano. Let's see. Um, he had an incredible relationship with God, and it wasn't just in the Old Testament. You know, most of his stories in the Old Testament, but we actually see Moses in the New Testament. In Matthew 17, Jesus is going up to the mountain with some of his disciples, and this is a moment of transfiguration. And what transfiguration was was Jesus goes up to the mountain. And, and it, it's a moment where, where heaven and earth collide, and, and, we, and, and they see the glory of God. And so in this moment, Jesus is on the mountain, and his disciples are watching, and, 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 and then they see two people. They see Elijah, and they see Moses. And it says that they saw the glory of God. Luke 9, that's what they say. They saw the glory of God on top of this mountain. And if you remember our, our, what we read earlier, In the very beginning, the story that we read is Moses went to a mountain and he sees this burning bush and the glory was so amazing that he couldn't even look. He couldn't even be in his presence. He looked away. But then Jesus, in the New Testament, is on this mountain. He's being transfigured. And it says that they, Luke accounts that they had a conversation. 
It was Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, and they had this conversation, and they were talking about the Exodus. They were talking about Jesus' plan to save this humanity. And so what's incredible is that he that our, the end of our reading, at verse 12, Jesus or God tells Moses that he's going to worship him on top of the mountain, and he's going to see his glory. But it was in the New Testament that he stands with Jesus. He stands with Jesus in his glory, eye to eye, and they're talking about, hey, remember that plan? This is Jesus saying, Moses, remember that plan that we had in Israel where, where we set all the people free and, and, and we worked together and you, you obeyed? And yeah, you didn't get to see the promised land, but you were there. You were, you were the one that, that set my people free. Well, guess what? There's a, there's a, a, a new a version two of this plan. Because I, I set those Israelites free, but there's, there's, there's this sin that's holding these people down. There's this brokenness that's holding these people down, and there's this, this barrier between us. But I'm ready to break that veil. I'm ready to break that barrier, and you're going to be with me. And so Moses got to be in this incredible moment in the New Testament where he got to speak to Jesus, the glory of God. It says he was shining so bright you could barely see his face. And he stands with God. He stands with Jesus, who's ready to set the people free. But it's a different freedom, right? We're not. It was no longer slaves. It was. It was. It, now it's a slave. It was a. It was a freedom from the bondage of, of our sin and the and the slavery of our brokenness. And it all started with a relationship with him. Everything that every everything about Moses started because he had a relationship with God. He could talk to God. He could commune with God. He could be in relationship with Him. And that's what Jesus has for us. There's no longer uh, uh, the. There's no longer anything to stand between us, and 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 Moses often represented the law, right? The law was no longer in between us and God, but God defeated the grave. He defeated death. He defeated everything, so He could be in relationship with us, and that is a relationship that's for each and every one of us. And that's a relationship that that when we start, we realize that God is fighting our battles with us. That God is fighting for us, and it's not up to us. It's not, it's not up to our abilities, but it's up to what God can do with us, and he's the victor. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to give an opportunity, an opportunity to respond to God's call. Moses was called out by God. He said, Moses, Moses, and then Moses came, and then he responded to his call. Come on, Jesus is calling us today, saying, wherever you are, I'm, I'm ready to fight for you. Wherever you are, I want to stand with you. I want to give you strength. And I want you to be fulfilled in a life with me. Come on, that's the best life we can live, is a life fulfilled in relationship with Jesus. And it starts with saying yes to his promises, yes to, to a relationship with him. So again, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you today, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to give an opportunity to, to raise your hand so you can uh, to, to pray with me and, and pray a prayer of salvation, prayer of commitment to a relationship with him. So one, today is the day of salvation. God is for you. He's fighting the battles for you. Two, today is the day of salvation, and he's with you. He's for you. He's, he's fighting for you. Three, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, if you're online, you can click and raise your hand with us. We're all going to pray together. You can repeat after me. Whether you raise your hand as a, as a fir- for the first time moment or recommitting your life to Jesus, or even if you're just in the room, you're agreeing with the people around you, you can repeat after me. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you live for me. Thank you that you died for me. Today, I give you my life. By your grace, I'm saved. I am a Christian. In Jesus' name I pray.